your home for K-State Athletics. It's game time. This is the game on News Radio KMAN. You know what, guys? I have a, I have a pretty good feeling that K-State, Oregon, and Washington are going to come up a bunch today. <laughs> because not only, they, yeah, not only are they involved right now, their names are being brought up in the, in the latest round of conference realignment, which just feels like the biggest mess right now. Mm-hmm. And it's also moving at a faster pace than what we dealt with last year. Oh, my. But also, the kid from Mays High School, yep. the quarterback, four-star dual threat slash pro style, because I've seen him listed as both, um, has made his decision. And let's kick it off with that right now, because it was an hour ago, and uh, to say the least, CBS Sports HQ really dragged it out. They had yeah. they did some interviews before and after. They talked to Avery Johnson, asking him questions on site before they, and after the announcement. They had the cow on hand and were just milking that thing as long <laughs> as they could. <laughs> Well, they and they know. I mean, when it comes to 2023 and quarterbacks, I mean, most of the top quarterbacks have already made their decisions. Right. Avery was at the Elite Eight quarterback comp or Elite Eleven co- uh, competition. quarterback competition in Los Angeles, and he was one of maybe two or three that hadn't made their decisions yet, and he finished ranked in the top eleven. He looked pretty good out there in old Los Angeles. That's Big Ten country now, folks. Big Ten <laughs> country, Los Angeles, California. <sighs> oh, weird. I know. But it was, I mean, it was less than an hour. Less than an hour ago, Avery Johnson, the number one recruit in the state of Kansas, made his commitment. It was between K-State, Oregon, and Washington. Here was the full announcement. First and foremost, I just want to thank God. Um, none of this would be possible without the man above. Next, I just want to thank Mays High as a whole, you know, from the teachers, just being here, you know, the experience is second to none. Um, after that, you know, I want to thank all my coaches, my teammates from Little League to now. I mean, you helped me become the player I am today. And then my family, you know, everybody I got up here with me, my dad, my mom, brother, sister, they played a big role in the person I am today and the football player, obviously. And then special shout out to my grandpa, you know, he's been here since diapers, you know, he took me to the golf course, um, never missed a game, definitely my most loyal supporter. And with that being said, I want to announce my commitment to Kansas State University. Got a huge (laughs) pop from those at Mays High School, which there were a bunch of people there, looked like a lot of like high school age kids and his family was there, a lot of media And, of course, you know, Avery Johnson was at Dylan Edwards' commitment. So who do you think is going to be at Avery Johnson's commitment? Dylan Edwards. He was there. uh, Said some similar things afterwards like, hey, I also want to do a little recruiting for K-State. Maybe we could go get a couple of more guys. He did give a shout to a couple of four-star wide receivers, one from Arizona and one from Lee Summit, Missouri, Joshua Manning and Jacoby Lane, which, by the way, Jacoby Lane was the wide receiver MVP of the Elite 11 competition. In the summer of 22, it was hot. It's now a scorcher for K-State football because... Unreal, isn't it? I I will put it this way, and I truly feel it. I know K-State has landed during the Chris Kleiman era. Great quarterbacks. 
on paper, on film. Of course, Will Howard coming all the way from Downingtown, Pennsylvania to come out here. Jake Rubley, haven't seen him yet, but of course, a pretty big deal when he picked the Cats. I got to say this tops him. Yeah, this is It a- tops him. This, this has got to be Coach Kleiman and his staff, the best recruit they have landed so far in their tenure. I mean, yes. This all this hard work that's been put in, the efforts, the hours that's been put in to land Avery Johnson, the relationship building, the bonding, getting him on campus, the official visit, <sighs> feeding him steak. Yeah. Giving him call. And uh, what was it? Uh, Peach Cobbler. Uh-huh. I believe it was Peach Cobbler that uh, DY was talking about. Uh, calling coming from uh, 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 Shailene Klein. It, it, it the effort has worked out, guys, and now this is recruit number five out of ten when it comes to the top ten in the state of Kansas. Wow! And it might not be done there. And I mean, fingers crossed. It, and it feels like they're not done that. But Taylor Bratt, I know his job can be very frustrating at times, stressful. Puts in a lot of hours, has to keep the gas tank full, and that's not exactly cheap these days. Right. Because that Jeep is a recruiting tool. Yes. An absolute group effort group effort has paid off. And now we're in a territory I don't think we've ever seen in K-State football. When it comes to the now pedigree, the, the the recruiting they've done for the class of 2023, I don't have all the info to back this up, but it does feel like they're doing the best job it's, that's ever taken place in the state of Kansas. Yes. Landing the top talent in the state of Kansas. And it feels like it's a move we haven't seen in quite some time, if not ever. Yeah. Again, I, I mean, the, the numbers when it comes to recruiting sources, it doesn't go back super far, like into the 90s or anything. But I brought up their rivals numbers before. And that is, I mean, leading into this class, K-State had landed like three guys who had been ranked in the top three in the state of Kansas in the last 16 classes. Wow. And now they have two of the three for this class. Already committed to K-State was still John Randall out there, still yet to make his announcement. But, you know, also from this weekend, uh, Joe Jackson made his commitment to K-State. The running back, the all-purpose back from Florida, who's also a, th- a three-star kid and, and very talented. So, man, yeah, when it unreal, it, it feels like it? I hope this isn't a peak, though. You know what I mean? Like this is a big get. Like this is maybe as big as it gets for the class, but it's not like they can't. It's not going to stop. And we've just absolutely slammed on, slammed on the brakes after this when it comes to hey, there's more four stars out there. Case they can go get them. He's a Kansas kid. Avery Johnson is a Kansas kid. He stayed home just like Dylan Edwards did. And he had offers out the wazoo when it came to Power 5 and some pretty big programs wanting his talents to come out there. Eugene, Oregon was a finalist. Seattle, Washington was a finalist. Oregon's a pretty big deal. Right now they're kind of in a tug-of-war. Like I'm sure the Big Ten wouldn't mind having them. The Big 12 certainly wants Oregon to jump over. And conference realignment is certainly in a story of its own, but we're not well. Something we're not used to: the top talent, in-state kids, they usually go somewhere else. Yeah, you They're, know the tide has turned. It, it really, it has turned because it was it wasn't one team or the other. 
it was just everybody else got a pick of the top 10. And it was, you know, Iowa State, Oklahoma State, of course, Texas OU, Colorado. I mean, it's just anywhere other than K-State or KU. And it seems like we're doing it. First things first, I hope this coaching staff knows. I know they'd know this, but they shouldn't back off at all. They need to put the f- their foot on the pedal and keep going. Continue. Look for more guys in this class, the next class after that. That's oh, what the yeah. good teams do. You know, Nick Saban, I'll never forget, I think it was the second national title he won at Alabama. They were up there on the stage with the, the trophy and everything. Everybody's like, yay. And he looked really mad. And the reporter was like, what's, uh, what's the deal, Nick? You don't look super happy. And he's like, this is cutting into recruiting time. Like, <laughs> I mean, these guys are insane about recruiting. You know, I, Nick Saban. Alabama has their pick of the litter. And even he, he knows it's important to just keep it going 24-7. Really, now it's just time to get these guys on the practice field and get their talents to use. I really, I am so excited. So excited. It's awesome. Well, and right now, if I'm not mistaken, football recruiting is in a, is in a dead period where there's no official visits going on right now, basically for the rest of the summer. So any more names that make their announcement in 2023 and they pick K-State, uh, I think K-State has done the hard work. Yeah. Now it's, you know, keeping that relationship going and hopefully these kids come in and pick K-State. Yes. But now we're seeing the recruiting class now at 12, and it's got a couple of four-stars in there, a lot of three-stars, and I think um, you know one, one name in there would not be at a star rating right now. Maybe it will turn make a difference at a later time. But, yes, it is a solid recruiting class with a lot more Kansas kids than we're used to. But now climbing the rankings, on three, I, I see now has K-State ranked as the number 33 recruiting class in the country right now wow. and still work to do. Yeah. And still work to do. And yes, they're building this class out of high school kids and we'll see later on how much the transfer portal will have to make a difference once that does come around. Ooh. But I felt pretty good through the 4th of July weekend that Avery Johnson was coming to K-State. I felt pretty good since I heard he got Peach Cobbler at the Klein household. Yeah, it's over. <laughs> I was like, I mean, that's yeah. a pretty good yeah. bargaining tool right there. Hey, Peach Cobbler. Yeah. Throw a little vanilla ice cream in there from Call Hall. Sold. Yeah. I mean, mm. DG would recruit, or he would commit on the spot. Yeah, no, I, before it came out of the oven. He would sign like, the Peach oh, Cobbler. We're done, we're done here. Uh, we're he, done. Heat Index is 105 today. Dang it, you had to mention Call Hall ice cream. Oh, I'm, no. I'm now like, yeah. have an urge. How about we cut this short? Heat yeah, Index, yeah. We it, should cut Yeah, we're okay. Yeah. yeah, we can just throw it over to ESPN yeah. and be fine the rest of the day. Yeah, for sure. Dude, <laughs> wait, though. Can I ask something? I don't know if you if want me If it's a good question. To, yeah, I don't know if you even want me to. What does this do with that quarterback room? Oh, my. I mean, what? I mean, of course, you always want to have a bunch of good guys in there, obviously. But what does this do? The legend of Jake Rubley. I mean, we've been waiting mm-hmm. to see this guy mm-hmm. kind of uncorked here, and he's just, you know. I, I, I am no joke. I am shocked that either him or Will Howard haven't transferred yet. <laughs> I, I mean, I'm not lying. Like, yeah, yeah. You know, K-State, they brought in a ringer. They did. <laughs> they, they, they brought did. in Adrian Martinez <laughs> to fill a spot where they felt they, they weren't ready yet at quarterback with a couple of the other gentlemen that, I mean, one of them we haven't seen play yet. Right. And, uh, I mean, what, what happens to the quarterback room? I mean, certainly the competition does go up. Sure. Um, does it thin out? I mean, do you see one of those guys 
I don't know. Taken off. History says like the the culture of re- of transfers and having to recruit your own players every single year. I mean, probably should have happened last year. It probably but should have happened. You know what? I mean, Coach Kleiman is the is the quarterback whisperer. Mm-hmm. He will turn you into an NFL quarterback if you're getting that playing time. And I'm sure Avery Johnson. I mean, he knows what Chris Kleiman has done. And and I love to ask Coach. I mean, we're not going to be allowed to ask about this recruiting class for months <laughs> until they sign their national letters of intent. Mm-hmm. So we're not going to be able to ask certain questions. But you know, I'm dying to ask the change to have Colin Klein, the new offensive coordinator, and making those tweaks to the offense, as in, and I don't know how frequent this will be, if it's going to be just the new norm, or we're going to see some of it here, some of it there, at times eliminating the huddle, speeding things up, get just getting the call from the sideline, and that doesn't mean snapping the football in 15 seconds. It just means speeding up the process, having more time to survey the defense. That wrinkle into the way the offense is going to run, how much did that change the attitude of offensive kids around the state of Kansas towards K-State and having that different offense, having a more modern style of play. Something else that stand out stands out to me as you talk about the quarterback room, well, let's just take a look at what Georgia did last year with essentially two high-caliber quarterbacks that could have been a starter at any other place, but you've got the two of them, one backing up the other, and without that, do they win a national title? Yeah, I don't think so. And so it becomes a balancing act. You're absolutely right. But if you've got guys that buy in, sure, then you've got opportunity in front of you. That's right. And I mean, you think about it, Ohio State a few years before that had the same situation. Mm-hmm. I think it was JT Barrett, Cardell Jones. Then they had um, Tate Martell, the, I mean, the number one recruit in the nation. And they had a guy, I don't know if you've heard of him, Joe Burrow. They're yeah. the same yeah. quarterback room. That's insane. It does take someone with a nice uh, a, a feeling of how to talk to each individual to say, stay in there with us. Stay in because when we need you, we're going to need you immediately to step in. Also, the running back room also got way more. They got very interesting. Sure. Very interesting. At first, you know, we're looking yeah. like, man, this could get a little dicey. And all of a sudden, two guys sign and it's like, hey, that looks Fantastic for K-State. Man, what a change just in this couple months. It took a lot for me to be interested more into recruiting. Just yeah. the whole process. And, I mean, I've, I've, I've seen a lot of disappointment as a K-State fan. I'm sure. not I'm, I'm going back years of of uh, just missing out on some, on some top guys and a lot of it in the state of Kansas. And there's a lot of disappointment that is involved when it comes to recruiting. And now you feel like K-State isn't losing out on anybody. No. Even though they are, you're just not hearing about it because of cats, 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 cats. You're seeing now in the state of Kansas landing five of the top ten now. And also I want to give a shout to Hey Noviet, who committed on the 4th of July mm-hmm. in Boomtown. Yeah, and he awesome. picked Loved Army. Yeah. He picked Army over uh, New Mexico State and the Kansas Jayhawks. Good for him. So congratulations to Hayden. I was trying to get, uh, you know, you know, my girlfriend Lindsay has a son Harper who plays on the team. I was trying to oh. be like, "Hey, what do you know about uh, what do you know about Hayden Oviet? Where do you know where he's gonna go?" I'd <laughs> <laughs> break the news before he. Oh my god! I was trying to get. I, I had sources, the man. Scoop. I was trying to get the scoop. <laughs> oh, they're like, no way is anyone gonna try to scoop this. And Mitch is there, like, "Hey, everybody." 
I did learn like Wamigo, so foray, right? I think, uh-huh. I think uh-huh. they have enough kids out for football that nobody plays both ways. Correct. Wow. Yeah. They two platoon football. That's amazing. That is four uh, A for four A. It's a big time deal. Absolutely. The growth continues. Rock Creek moving into the Northeast Kansas League, but let's be perfectly honest, neither of those schools are really all that far off from potentially moving to five A. Wow. Because well, of the way that population continues to grow on the Potawatomi side of things here. Wow. By the way, I believe you mean, you mean North Central. You're right. Kansas. Yes. <laughs> what did I say? Northeast Kansas. Oh, oh, okay. All right. Yeah. But yeah, we know what you mean. The Rock. What a what a view. The Rock when it's all green out there. That's a fantastic. Took spot. a little tour of Rock Creek High School when I made the announcement for Student Athlete of the Year. Nice. I love that stadium. The Rock. It looks great. And what a tradition there. Hayden Oviat, heck of a football player. Just, just, just by way of mentioning it, you know, the Centennial League is uh, way down. Uh-oh. We've got two Lost schools a few that, folks. We've got two schools that could be climbing up in terms of uh, in terms of classification soon. Well, do you put a Wamigo and a Rock Creek into the same league as Manhattan High? But all the 5A schools that were in the Centennial yeah, League bounced so they could find some easier competition out there over by... Atchison I, and Casey. Manhattan is going to be the Notre Dame of high school football here in the state of Kansas. <laughs> Not one league wants to invite them in. Why would you? You know, they're good. <laughs> you want to invite somebody who's not so hot. I, I just, well, for, for the life of me, I cannot understand why you've got such a behemoth that is the Sunflower League. Yeah. Uh, you know, we're talking super conferences here in college. Uh huh. That's unmanageable what the Sunflower League is. Holy cow. They, uh, how many schools do they have? They like they have twenty, right? At least it or, feels like it. God, and uh, the old I seventy league, man, that worked fantastic, and then they had to go blow it up. Well, we're going to talk more Avery Johnson in the second hour. Make sure you're tuned in at the top of the hour, just after five o'clock, because Avery Johnson's commitment was televised on CBS Sports HQ. We have the highlights from that, which I mean, it was a twenty minute process from the beginning of the segment to. Avery Johnson's announcement until he wrapped it up. They had a couple of guys with some interviews about Avery Johnson. So we'll uh, we'll hit those highlights coming up at 5.10. But gosh dang it, conference realignment, one of my least God. favorite topics to talk about in sports. <laughs> it's messy. It's rumors. I just like the news to find me instead of me finding the news. Yes. But we've had some news about it. Is it real? Is it not? <laughs> we'll find out next. It's the game on K-Man. Mitch Fortner, Troy Coverdale, David G, Travion Berklin. I don't think I've introduced us yet, but welcome to the show, officially. Here we are. We talked a lot of uh, in the first segment, Avery Johnson. He has picked his school, and it is the Kansas State Wildcats, the Mays product, four-star kid, and the number one recruit in the state of Kansas is coming to K-State, and it's the first number one in the state of Kansas that picked the Wildcats since 2004. But welcome back to the game and the other news of the day in college football. As once again, we continue the topic of conference realignment. It was a topic that did not die down during the 4th of July weekend. As a matter of fact, maybe it even ramped up a little bit since then. 
But you've seen, if you pay attention to social media or CBS Sports, ESPN, maybe local media from the Pac-12 or Big Ten, even Big 12, we've seen takes from really all sides of this tug of war. And that is Oregon and Washington. They're going to be brought up again. Mm-hmm. Not only were they being considered for Avery Johnson's commitment, but now they are being considered, I'm going to air quote there, considered for Big 12. So here was the article from earlier today. This is from Dennis Dodd of CBS Sports. He reported that Arizona, Arizona State, Colorado, and Utah were mentioned specifically as the teams being targeted by the Big 12. There is also consideration for adding Oregon and Washington to make the Big 12 an 18-team league, which would be the largest largest in the FBS. Consideration is the key word. That does not mean that the Big 12 is at the top of the list and in charge, basically, that have the leverage to bring Oregon and Washington from the Pac-12 to the Big 12. They're not in control right now is the Big 12. To me, who's in control right now is Notre Dame. Because Notre Dame is at the top of the list right now for the Big 10, but Notre Dame could stay just stand by, play the patient game. They've done it before as an independent. They had that one year in the ACC where they played in 2020, made it to the ACC championship because the ACC, you know, they threw them a bone, they needed a place to play. And they lost to Clemson in the ACC championship game, and then they're back out of a conference, and they're 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 out independent once again. Now the ACC has that that media rights agreement until twenty thirty six, right? Mm-hmm. So they are, I mean, they're locked. They're supposed I, to be locked hard. They're locked in as it feels like they're locked into what they currently have for a while. If if any team wants to exit, they're going to have to pay an insane amount of money to leave. And I know there's been schools, there's been names running around like Miami and, and Florida State, even Clemson, that could potentially jump to the SEC. But when it comes to the SEC, we've heard very little. It's been pretty quiet from over there. Meanwhile, if Notre Dame stays put and becomes an independent, most likely then the Big Ten's – their attention is probably going to shift over to Oregon and Washington at that point. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, the way currently it currently stands, I mean, does it feel like, you know, if Oregon and Washington don't get that shot and Notre Dame decides to go to the Big Ten, is that the Big 12 shot? To me, this isn't any way being aggressive. I mean, the Big 12, this that would be the dream scenario, in my opinion, to have Oregon and Washington jump to the, the Big 12. Because adding Arizona, Arizona State, Colorado, and Utah, and again, these are just rumors, I mean reports, I should say the other R word, reports, are out there that they could join. Yes, they could join. And that would make the Big 12 better when it comes to the next media rights agreement. But if you were to add Oregon Washington, that would do so much more because of the branding that Oregon does have. I mean, that would mean so much more to add them. It would make them more competitive Versus the Big Ten and SEC, but they still wouldn't be close to the level that the Big Ten and SEC are going to be at mm-hmm. here in just a few years. It is crazy to realize how many different pieces are now in play. 
because you've also now got the added to the mix of the Pac-12 supposedly talking to someone media-wise about what their rights would be and want to get a new deal going already and proceed from there. Uh, George Kalayakov, I don't know what leg you have left to stand on at this point, but good luck. Mm. Um, so, you, I mean, it, 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 there are so many pieces and so many misdirections that can be thrown in this entire thing that I don't know that we're going to get any clarity on it before the season kicks off. How's that for a bold prediction? Oof. Because it's just going to continue to swirl and swirl and swirl. One thing I did see noted, and uh, it was a it was an anonymous quote that got made. Uh, you know, someone in the ACC saying, uh, "We'll see how how locked down the the rights really are. We'll see it in court." Ooh. So, you know, it may it may be where someone decides to test that grant of rights and wind up turning it into a complete morass with just, you know, putting the courts into the business now. Well, and I'm not saying this to make a joke, but I mean, you've seen, you've been around longer than DG and I have. (laughs) You've seen college football really evolve Uh, over the years. I mean, how much to you who have seen these traditions in college football last pretty much your entire life now be in jeopardy because the game is changing based on ESPN and Fox and how much money they're going to toss at you for your media rights. We are becoming seeing the game become essentially NFL Part 2. That That's where we're headed right now with all of this. Because we are eliminating much of what made the college game fun. All you have to do is take a look at Twitter this afternoon as a great example at what the reactions are from other schools currently in the Big 12 or of the old Big 8 ilk in reaction to Avery Johnson making his announcement to come to K-State. There's a lot of trash talk going on. There are Oklahoma fans that are in the in the mix and wanting to, you know, mock and make fun of K-State. There are KU fans who are trying to get in on it. For whatever reason, it's not like they know football. (laughs) But that's the type of stuff that you lose when you shift these rivalries or shift these programs into different conferences. I mean, Texas, let's be honest, everybody, everybody is going to mock Texas because we've all mocked Texas for decades. That's just a given. But, you know... The, the trash talk that you have with Oklahoma now, are you really going to keep that same level of intensity for Oklahoma in your fandom when they go to the SEC and you don't play them? Mm. The fun of Saturday afternoons and playing your conference teams, the teams that you've been with for, in the case of K-State, KU, Iowa State, Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, 70 years, 70 years of that tradition is just wiped out because ESPN said so and based it all on, oh, these guys are are a more valuable brand. That's where we are, and it is to the detriment of the game. On top of that, 
one of the things, and, and this even gets into what's frustrating about Major League Baseball right now, you tend to forget that what makes the NFL the NFL, not only the parity, but with their salary cap in play, that's how Green Bay stays alive in that league. If you don't have revenue sharing in the NFL, and the Giants were among the first to recognize it, the Maras were among the first to recognize the need for it to keep alive teams such as Green Bay. In college football, it's quickly becoming, yes, you're sharing through your conference, but how much of that sharing is really going to help and how much of it will really trickle down to others at the end of your conference, say a Vanderbilt, if you're the SEC, say a (laughs) Rutgers, given as bad as they've been football-wise since moving to the Big Ten. I'm being polite and not including Nebraska in that breath. Um, It's a complete change of the game. And in the process, it's taking what was fun and completely pushing it aside and just turning it into straight out entertainment and entertainment only. Well, and to add to that, I mean, football is has been the only consideration for these negotiations, talks with the with the media rights, with the TV companies. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And also, I mean, like UCLA and USC brand in football, that was the only thing considered. Yes. Basketball doesn't really have a, a big say in it. I mean, there, there are sports that USC has that I guarantee you the rest of the Big Ten does not have. Yeah. So they're going to have to figure that out. The schools Be- will have to figure that out. Beach volleyball. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah, North, Northwestern does have beach volleyball, but it won't be a league match. Can you imagine playing on the ah, beach in Chicago? In Chicago, you'd be like, this sucks. Um, but here's the thing about it. Everybody's being left out but football. Mm-hmm. Right, exactly. And and then you have people that are trying to believe that, oh, no, the other sports matter. Basketball matters. Basketball will only matter as long as that $1 billion contract for the tournament is in exactly. place. And then you can just forget about that being a part of any discussion. But what gets me about it when you look at not just this round of realignment, but even really the realignment that came in 2011 and 2012, when the Big 12 was formed, that was a realignment out of a necessity for the Southwestern Conference schools. Regionality was a big part of it. All of the sports were seen as a part of it. Competitiveness was seen as a part of it. Granted, you got the Holy War going between Baylor and TCU during that time frame, thanks to the uh, wonderful Texas legislature. But every piece of the puzzle, including some academic pieces, were part of that discussion. And, you know, credit to John Weefald for being at the forefront of that and, and working to maneuver all of that. The only mistake that really, truly got made in that entire situation was that there was too much acquiescing of power to Texas. Otherwise, the conference made sense. 
it made sense when you look at all of the pieces and how it looked out. The only one that didn't seem to fit was Baylor. And, well, now they've they've put themselves in a completely 180 yeah. position from what they were at the time. Oh, big time. They're a staple. None of that none of that process is taking place now. Not a single lick of that is taking place now. There are no discussions about regionality. There are no discussions about rivalries. There are no discussions about academics. There are no discussions about any sports other than giving ESPN or Fox their football fix. And, and you said it, competitiveness. That's what keeps Vanderbilt there. They don't, they're not competitive in football. That's what keeps Rutgers there. They're not competitive in football. It's that market that they just happen to be in that they, that's why you're there. They, and that's what I think will be interesting. Will we ever come to a time where all the conference teams vote and kick a person out? <laughs> hold, hold, hold on. I know, I know Troy wants to respond to that. And that is another part of conference realignment that hasn't really been, been yeah. touched on. Yeah. yeah. And that what could actually happen to like teams like Vanderbilt and Rutgers. We need to take a break. We'll talk about that when we come back. For the second straight summer, conference realignment is again in full swing, and we didn't even mention this yet, but the Pac-12, they said yesterday that, I mean, they are in negotiations once again. I mean, right now with their next TV contract, as their next one does expire in 2024, how about this for the Pac-12, basically their annual, um, the money they take in, I'm, I'm struggling the word right now, but what they bring in annually when it comes to money for the TV rights agreement Losing USC and UCLA, the projection for next year drops from five hundred million to three hundred million. Mm-hmm. It's an insane loss for the Pac-12 just losing those two schools. So, man, I tell you what, when it comes to Washington and Oregon, potentially the Pac-12's heartbeat, their pulse, completely relies on what Oregon and Washington and even potentially the Arizona schools, Colorado, Utah, what they all decide to do. It's negotiation. You you can't come in hat in hand on these things. You have to go, well, we got a TV deal on the table from so-and-so. We could be just fine. It, if you go hat in hand, you are completely smoked when it comes to stuff like this. Negotiations, you got to appear strong at all times. Even when you got, you're like the guy from Monty Python, both legs, both arms cut. It's a flesh wound. Someone actually did put that out on Twitter. No! With the back tail logo over his head. Dang so, it. Yeah. I didn't see it either. Dang yeah. it. That's good, yeah. though. Yeah, I, that was that was done pretty well. Tis a flesh wound. Tis but a flesh wound. No, boy. But right before the break, it was brought up by Mr. DG over here about, you know, how far do we go until programs start getting kicked out of conferences? Because if we are going to the to the super conferences, the power two, as maybe you could call it. I mean, the, the conferences, they're going to get bigger mm-hmm. if it goes that way, but it's not going to get too big. If it starts to get too big, they're going to start cutting out some of the other programs that maybe aren't so valuable when it comes to football. Hmm. And, of course, with the SEC, who comes to mind first? Vanderbilt. Throw in Mississippi State because – and, and honestly, given some of the troubles that they've had, Ole Miss, let's be perfectly honest, that is a that is a program that is on the upswing now. But, boy, from a community standpoint, Manhattan beats 
Oxford any day of the week in terms of size, in terms of, you know, it's it's just Saturdays go nuts down there. Right. Um, it would be very tough for traditional for traditional SEC schools to wind up getting the getting the punt out, but it could very well happen. Okay, then look at the ACC. What Wake Forest first out, <laughs> right there. I mean, that's a <laughs> see ya. How, how would you like to be, you know, one of the schools that was in the triangle, you moved in the 50s to get away from the triangle. Oh, by the way, that may cost you your spot eventually in the ACC. Mm. You know, who the SEC, you think that they wouldn't uh, trade Clemson for South Carolina right now? <laughs> oh, boy. I mean, oh, boy. Yeah, it's going to have to happen at some point because that's all that it's going to be a it's giant. All that we're looking at right now is is everybody just wants the money. Yeah. And and everybody's in it for the money. Well, how do you carve the pie up? Oh, Vanderbilt? No, man. Why why are we paying them to drag our butts down every year with as lousy as that program is? Well, we've got to have someone to beat. <laughs> That's true. Now I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what it takes to kick out the Big Ten. Uh, I, you know. I don't know what it takes to kick out teams from a conference. Oh, it'll take a full vote. I, it would it, have to be that, but also, I'm, I mean, I'm sure lawyers would get involved. There'd be have to a lot of money. Oh, most God, likely yes. would have to be paid to that school. But it wouldn't shock me if we got to that point, because there's only so much money in that contract, and you don't want to see your share of the purse shrink too much. Let me as it as a conference grows. As, since we're talking about college football now becoming NFL 2.0, think about what would happen if the NFL elects to kick Dan Snyder out, and how much court uh, activity there is going to be with that, and what will take place. That'll go on forever. He's got the money to keep it in court forever. And so, what will the SEC do if? They go to kick out a team, and that school doesn't want to go. It's going to wind up the same dang way. Forever. Well, it, it, is, I mean, isn't Vanderbilt like the only institution in the SEC that cares about academics? <laughs> like the SEC has never been known to really care about academics. No, I mean, the Big pretty, Ten does. Yeah, the Big Ten is very into academics. Yeah, you're absolutely right. It, which is part of what makes it actually humorous when they get into the, all the discussions about uh, the prestigious AAU. And that that they're looking for those teams in their conference now. Again, academics has nothing to do with it. It's just a bow for the programs that they're wanting to bring in. It's an easy excuse yep. for them. This whole thing has allowed schools to let that fade. You don't have to pretend anymore. It's about TV markets. Everybody gets it. We all understand. It's not about academics. Go get the check. Just don't fumble the bag. Go get it. Make sure you get it. You're, you're telling me if we kick out Vandy, instead of getting 50 a year, we could get $56 million Right, a year. or hmm. in, let's kick out Vandy and bring in Miami. What do we do? What, where, who wouldn't say yes to that trade? Hour two of the game, we're going to have Avery Johnson highlights from his announcement and also coming up more on conference realignment. Hour two of the game, don't go anywhere, is coming up here in a few moments, but also in a few minutes, your local news. It's the game.